Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. We're going to talk very specifically today about people who believe that the earth is flat or who at least don't believe that sufficient evidence exists to prove that the earth isn't flat. I think I did that right. Um, And I first started thinking about it. I was uh, teaching or doing a series of lectures at the University of Hartford a few months ago. And I kind of came across this whole topic. uh, And I realized that what we're really talking about in some ways is a departure from the notion of trust. That Cicela Bach in her book, Lying, uh, talks about the fact that if you had to assume that everything that you encountered was a lie, uh, until you personally verified it, you couldn't function. so we really do depend an awful lot on, on our ability to trust bodies of knowledge, people who are experts about certain things. And, and that flat earthers are in some ways the, the epitome of a group of people who've decided not to subscribe to that notion. So we're going to talk uh, to a man a little bit later named Mark Sargent, a leading voice in the flat earth movement. Uh, and we'll also talk a little bit later also uh, about what some of the underlying say, psychological issues might be uh, about n- not believing in certain things. But we're going to begin by some uh, with somebody who's been with us in, in the past, Alan Burdick, an editor at the New York Times and former staff writer and senior editor at The New Yorker. His work has appeared in Harper's, GQ, places like that. He's the author of Why Time Flies, a mostly scientific investigation. We had him on the show to talk about that on a show we did about time. Now he's back. Welcome back to the show, Alan Burdick. Hi. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So um, you actually went to a conference uh, of people who are, first of all, do they mind the term flat earthers? Is that like considered a derogatory term? or No, 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 no. That, that's, a, that's a term they embrace warmly. And, and so when you got there, I know at one point one of the leaders there was sort of divided them into kind of different casts of mind. But I mean, in general, what was your, one of the things you say about them is they, you know, they are not sort of furtive, ferret-like, darting, you know, paranoid, heavy-browed people. They're warm, pleasant, polite people who just happen to have a fairly unusual belief, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I went in part, so I went last November to um, a two-day conference that was held in Raleigh, uh, North Carolina, and, and there were about 600 people there who had paid $250 for a two-day conference, and, and people of all kinds, mostly white, but there were uh, some people of color there. There were uh, families, people brought their kids. Um, there were university students. There were uh, retired cops, um, people who worked in um, IT, pretty wide spectrum and you know but who who believe uh, this idea uh, entirely in earnest um, we should say that this idea uh, grabbed a little bit more kind of I don't know uh, above the horizon traction uh, recently because two fairly prominent basketball players um, started talking about it Kyrie Irving and Shaquille O'Neal uh, independently I think of one another have talked about the earth being flat let's hear a little bit about what that sounds like the fact that it's a social phenomenon that Kyrie thinks the world is flat is hilarious to me. I'm going to believe what I believe and then, you know, whether I think the world is flat or whether I think the world is round, I mean, believe what I believe. What did you make of the Kyrie stuff? 
It's, it's true. The, 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 what? Uh, the earth is flat. Shaq, what are you talking about? The earth is flat. <laughs> that's the dumbest thing you've ever said. You, that, go, that's a high bar to get over. I do not go up and down in a 360-degree angle and all me? that stuff about gravity. So you mean to tell me that China is under us? China's yes. under us. If you you keep they are right? under us. That's they not, tell you when you're a kid? The world is flat. If you dug straight through your backyard, you can get to China. So, Alan Burdick, any particular thoughts or theories? I mean, it just seems like basketball, which is so dependent on something round, uh, would be an odd place for the flat earth movement to find some of its most prominent voices. Well, it, it should be said in Shaq's defense uh, that I think he was just trolling them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think he actually believes that. And, and Kyrie, I think, has has recently renounced his belief in, mm-hmm. in flat earth. But regardless, um, I mean, it, it, the idea of a flat earth has been around really at least since the mid-1800s. But now it's really been given new life through YouTube. And in many senses, it's just another one of those conspiracies that people who spend a lot of time on YouTube uh, come to believe. And the folks I talked to at the conference really felt like the the flat earth was essentially the mother of all conspiracies. You know, they've they've embraced all the other ones, Pizzagate, uh, the the fake moon landing, George Soros, everything. And and you know, once you click on kind of one conspiracy video, the way the YouTube algorithm is set up, it just feeds you more of the same. And as you kind of keep falling down that very dark hole, sooner or later, what shows up in your sidebar are videos about uh, the flat earth and, and purporting to, you know, argue the, the veracity of a flat earth. Yeah. One of the um, passages in your article that kind of really uh, made my hair stand up a little bit was you're describing this guy, Daryl Marble, who's one of the flat earthers who spoke at the conference. And he talks about exactly the process you just described, Alan. This is for two years, Marble and his girlfriend drank in YouTube. We went from one thing to another to another. Sandy Hook, 9-11, false flags. We get into the Bilderberg, Rothschilds, Illuminati, all these general things that one ends up looking into when you go on here because you look at one video and then another suggestion pops up along the same lines. And then, yeah, eventually you kind of come to this, this ultimate place, which is that the earth is flat. So that's... To me, though, I would say that there's two cognitive shifts that's are, that are contained in there. And the first one is we don't know everything, right? There might be things that we don't know. And that's like when you talk to anti – I've talked to a lot of these kinds of people too. When you talk to anti-vaxxers, that's typically what they'll say, right? We don't know everything. There might be some things that we don't know. I, I don't know if you want to expand on that. Well, you know, what's, what, struck, what struck me – is in order to believe the flat that that the Earth is flat, you have to do so much work <laughs> to disbelieve really everything. You know, you any picture photograph you think you've seen of a of a round Earth uh, has been photoshopped allegedly. Um, you know, you you can't really believe in gravity. It's not easy. So th- there's this kind of confluence of you know, one strand of kind of conspiratorial thinking, you know, mm-hmm. where you where you just actively disbelieve anything that you can't see directly in front of you. You know, I've never been to Jupiter, so who's to say that it's round, you know, and, and millions of miles away? And there's a strand of kind of anti-science, anti-authoritarian, you know, not just like 
we don't believe in evolution. We don't believe in dinosaurs. But we want to do our own research. You know, we mm. want to do these experiments ourselves. And, and, you know, why should scientists be allowed to have the authority when we can demonstrate, you know, what we believe to to ourselves? And, and, and what that really gives you, as you mentioned at the top of the show, is a kind of empiricism that is so extreme that it can't tell you anything about the world beyond what is immediately in front of you. And, you know, I was very struck. One one guy there said to me, you know, look, I, I know this is a crazy idea that the, that the earth is flat, but if it was so crazy, how come I'm able to persuade people that it's true? And that was his logic. You know, if I believe it, it must be true. The other thing about this, I think, is that one of the ways in which YouTube has kind of helped explode this is that there are people who are really, really good at doing that kind of explaining, that kind of persuasive explaining, and then bringing to bear on it some modern production values. I mean, Mark Sargent, who's going to be on in a little while uh, on this show, you mentioned him in, in the article as somebody who's who makes YouTube videos that are kind of, they don't look like the work of some crank locked down in his basement. Yeah, and here here's where I began to get a little bit suspicious. I mean, you know, I, I was in the audience of 600 people who, you know, genuinely believe this stuff. Mm. And up on stage is a series of people who purport to believe this stuff, and maybe they really do. But, you know, at this point, there's <laughs> there's decent YouTube money to be made by saying anything, mm-hmm. right? And especially with Sargent, I mean, really everybody else at this conference comes from a really a scriptural literalist point of view. There there are very few atheists in the crowd. And you just, I don't know, I, I am just not entirely convinced that everybody who's selling it actually believes it. That is sort of the other kind of cui bono, Cicero question, to whose benefit. So it's also to the benefit, I guess, of people who are advancing a particular scriptural point of view uh, that not only can they emphasize things that they feel anyway are contained in the Bible that would conform more to the idea of a flat earth, but they're able to reject quite a a large other body of science that they might find disturbing uh, along with that, right? Yeah, and and you know we do live in a in a media universe, uh, in an internet universe, where increasingly you, you don't really have to encounter information that challenges you, that you know kind of pushes beyond the bubble that that you're in, and and so we do really all of us kind of create these self reinforcing sets of beliefs, sets of information, and and it's quite easy for you know, somebody to come along and create a beautiful 30-minute pseudo-documentary that's engaging to watch and and that just tells you what you think you want to know. But I also wonder, Alan, whether there's just something in our wiring, you know, that draws us back to this all the time. I mean, for example, you write about uh, a very influential book from 1865, Samuel Rowbotham's Zetetic Astronomy, which makes a, a, a case for the flat Earth then He's not entirely alone. I mean, you cite some other works that have popped up uh, over the decades. Uh, I don't know if you want to say anything about uh, Robotham in particular, but there's maybe a market for this just because it doesn't really feel like we are walking on a basketball. It feels like we're walking on a basketball court. Yeah, I mean, it it does. You know, the the reasoning for a flat earth appeals to 
uh, extreme common sense. Like, well, water, how could water curve, mm-hmm. right? Who's who's to say that those uh, that those images of you know Earth from afar are actually true? I haven't seen Earth from afar, so how do I actually know? And you do at some point have to trust that what people are telling you is true, right? And and it's kind of a choice of who you're going to trust. Are you going to trust NASA? Are you going to trust the guy at the Flat Earth Conference who's watched a lot of watched a lot of videos. I mean, it, at some point, you know, when I went to this conference, I, I really didn't, I didn't really bother challenging anybody mm-hmm. um, on the facts because it just gets so recursive that there was really no point. But I did repeatedly try to get people to tell me how they thought. I mean, if every single NASA photo you've ever seen has been photoshopped, then there must be thousands of people out there who know the truth, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, how, I mean, how do you how do you keep this a secret, right? It's it's not a small conspiracy. This is a vast, vast conspiracy. But we can't really get anybody from the inside to tell us, you know, how NASA is actually faking everything. And the, the word that kept coming back to me from these folks was compartmentalization. Mm-hmm. You know, you compartmentalize your knowledge. You don't know what the guy at the next, next desk is working on. It's deeply distrustful. It's so distrustful of anything that I, you know, that you can't really believe anything but what you've seen yourself. You know, uh, I'll ask Mark Sargent about this too, but maybe you got some insight from the conference. Uh, so let's do, let's reverse it and do the mental ex- uh, exercise. So imagine that the earth is in fact flat. Why, what would be the incentive for the government and, and other, and science and other participants to circulate the falsehood that it's round? What adva- who would gain any particular advantage out of saying that the Earth was round if, in fact, everybody really secretly knew it was flat? Um, atheists, mm-hmm. Luciferians, Satanists. That, yeah. that was the response that I got when I asked people. So, again, you know, this is a crowd that is deeply religious, and, and they take portions of the Bible quite literally. And this fits together as a conspiracy for them if you— are of the feeling that, you know, all of these agencies, all these government agencies would conspire to hide the truth of, of a flat earth, a flat earth being an, an earth um, that was made specially for us by God. And if, uh, you know, if, if word gets out um, that that's actually the case, you know, if NASA lets it slip, that they actually know that the Earth is flat. Well, one, they'll jeopardize their billions and billions of dollars in uh, in, in in budgets. Um, but then they'll be, you know, they'll be letting on to the to the truth of God, and and you know, heaven knows, science can't possibly allow that to happen. Um, if you had decided that you would engage somebody at a flat Earth. Uh, conference uh, in some kind of dialogue in which you sort of argued the other side. Is there the kind of physically observable proof available to you that would be possibly meaningful to one of them? Not really. No. I mean, you you can quickly get to, well, for instance, um, you know, science tells us that the sun is 93 million miles away, and it's a million times the size of Earth. But in in the flat Earth model, the, the kind of main one, the, the Earth is 
flat as a pancake and round, and it has a dome over it. And uh, the sun is maybe several hundred miles away and only 30 miles wide. And then you begin to ask, well, so if the Earth is flat, how does the sun set, right? Mm-hmm. Where, where does it go? And if and, and what's keeping it up up there? And the answer often is some version of, well, we don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, you you round earthers, you've been around for thousands of years, so you've had a lot of time to come up with answers. You know, we flat earthers are pretty new here, and uh, we're, we're still, you know, we admit there's a lot we don't know. That's that's why we're scientists, because we're, um, you know, we're willing to accept the unknown. And um, so, yeah, we don't know yet. It, it does seem that some of the things that are done uh, on behalf of the scientific view can very easily be inverted uh, to do the other thing. And the one that jumps out at me in particular is, uh, as you probably know, um, Tesla has actually put a, or SpaceX has actually put a Tesla in space uh, with this, you know, kind of dummy star man in it. And there's camera footage coming back. And I mean, it's the kind of thing where if you show that to people who are already suspicious about this whole thing, it actually looks more suspicious. It's supposed right. to prove somehow that the Earth is round because you can see this Tesla and this dummy in the Tesla. But, I mean, I can't imagine what anybody thought that was going to do <laughs> other right. than excite exactly the opposite set of suspicions, right? Yeah. And, and you know, and, and cinema and, and movies have gotten so realistic um, that it, you know— it, it, it certainly seems like one could make anything seem true. Um, well, Alan Burdick, it's been great to talk to you as a way of setting all this up. And we'll be talking to somebody that you have interviewed in the past, Mark Sargent. Uh, he's coming up right here on our show. But uh, Alan Burdick, editor at The New York Times, former staff writer, senior editor at The New Yorker, uh, also, also the author of Why Time Flies, a mostly scientific investigation. We'll take a little break right now. When we come back, we'll talk to Mark Sargent, one of the people who does, in fact, assert that the Earth is flat. All right. And we're back. Um, We're going to talk to Mark Sargent right now, one of the leading voices in the flat earth movement. Um, And before we do that, I'm going to say that uh, we're live here in the afternoon on Thursday. So uh, if you're listening and you have a question, I'm not really interested in like having somebody come on here and really debate about spheroid versus flat with Mark Sargent. I don't think that really would get us very far. But if you have an actual question that you would like to ask, uh, our number is 860-275-7266. 860-275-7266. And if your question is, why are you doing the show uh, at all? I would suggest maybe you could ask that question on the Twitters at WNPR Colin, at WNPR Colin 1L. Okay. So Mark Sargent is joining us right now, as I say, a leading voice in the Flat Earth movement, creator of the very popular Flat Earth Clues YouTube video series, and the author of Flat Earth Clues, The Sky's the Limit. Mark Sargent, welcome to our show. Hi, Colin, and thanks so much for having me. And why wouldn't you do this show? Well, why wouldn't we do this show, actually? Yeah, we, <laughs> we certainly don't want to be part of any, uh, you know, act of covering up something anyway. So, um, 
So let's imagine that you and I are in an airport at the luggage carousel, and I have my bag. You're still waiting for your bag. It's going to be coming up in about a minute. Uh, And you mentioned to me that you're going to a a Flat Earth conference where you're one of the key speakers. And I say, what what, what are you talking about? And so you got about a minute before your bag comes. Uh, Okay. Okay. How can I do it in 60 seconds? Uh, (laughs) Real easy. I am... The flat, I am the freshman recruiter for a metaphorical university called Flat Earth. And what that means is that we are not this tiny little rock flying through an impossible universe that could be wiped out at any given time. We are instead inside a planetarium, a terrarium, uh, a Truman show, if you want to use the 1998 movie, a building with walls and a floor and a ceiling, and even our best and brightest couldn't figure it out until about 1960, and that would be the United States and the Soviet Union, and when they did, they just decided to keep it a secret. It's not like the humans didn't build this. There was something much bigger than us and much older and much more powerful that built it. But that was basically it, and they tried to keep it a secret up until about 2015, and then it started to break down. Our technology, our detection technology finally kept uh, caught up with everything else, and now we're able to kind of find the breadcrumbs, find the clues. So, so this is a built environment built by some more masterful power than the great human empires uh, that yeah. we're familiar yeah. with. Um, although, yeah. I mean, in terms of detection equipment, I, I suppose one question people ask you a lot is, wouldn't just like sailing in one direction for a really long time be a good form of detection equipment? I mean, wouldn't you like hit something eventually? Uh, I would I would turn around Dom and say uh, because most people if if you if you take out NASA and all the space agencies because it's not like uh, we we didn't think the Earth was a globe before 1972 before the first blue marble picture most people will say well we can see ships go, going over the horizon right we all have seen this you know boats will go off into the distance and they're gone they're gone over the side of, of the curve right they haven't fallen off the edge they've gone over the side of the curve and I'd say yeah. Up until about 10 years ago, I'd say you're absolutely right. But with HD digital zoom, now we can bring bring these boats back into frame at ranges and distances which are far beyond what the curve should be. If the curvature, and again, I don't want to spook people with, with math, it's 8 inches per mile squared, which is 8 inches per mile per mile. So three miles would be three times three is nine times eight is 72 inches, and it gets worse and worse. Yeah, but Mark, well, I mean, wouldn't you wouldn't you hit, I mean, if there's a dome, wouldn't you, like, hit the dome at a certain point? Wouldn't somebody bump into it? Oh, eventually, sure. But the outer marker, so people, the common mistake is the Antarctic coastline is the edge of the Earth. You know, even some flat earthers will fall into that trap from time to time. No, the Antarctic coastline is just the beginning of the edge, and the outer marker, wherever the, 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 the wall is, is probably several thousand miles inland. The United States Navy looked for it for the better part of 30 years, from the 20s all the way to the late 50s. And as far as the upper edge of the dome, that would be anywhere from, I don't know, 500 miles to several thousand miles high. So, And commercial airliners cap out at about 10 miles, spy planes about 20 miles. So the average civilian person isn't going to come nowhere near the outer edge or the upper edge. So there, uh, there's probably something about this that I'm not getting, but I, I wouldn't 
think that the outer edge would be just one place, Antarctica. Um, in other words, it would, it's all around you, no matter where you go. Yeah. If, if you could, if you could bypass GPS, which is a DoD system, or bypass compasses, eventually, no matter which direction you traveled, if you could travel in a straight line, which is a lot tougher than you might think, mm-hmm. uh, eventually you are going to run into the outer wall. And that is everywhere you go. It's going to be Antarctica. Let me. You're obviously a very smart and very articulate uh, spokesman for for this. Um, what would have been your reaction in 2013 if you met somebody at a luggage carousel? And I think you got involved right around 2014. Do I have that right? Uh, yeah, I started looking to it in 2014. So, uh, but yeah, in 2013. Oh no, I would have laughed you out of the room. I still have friends, uh, conspiracy friends, who who think. Full well, you know, think completely that the entire royal family is made out of lizard people. Mm. And you bring up flat Earth to them, and they'll just laugh at you. They're going, "Get out of here!" You know, they they just they just wave you off. And it takes a while. In fact, if you don't laugh at flat Earth at first, seriously, I'd think there was something wrong with you. Everybody hates it mm-hmm. when they first start, and that should give some uh, testimony to to how powerful it is. So it what was, was your, what was your eureka what was your eureka moment? What was your like okay so you went from a guy who would maybe laugh at me at the luggage carousel if I started telling you about this did you right. have kind of a eureka moment where like whoa yeah. hold on yeah yeah I I did I, it was the very beginning of 2015 and I woke up I had this Jerry Maguire moment at like 3:30 in the morning on on February 10th but the the big eureka moment for me was the United States Navy, which was Admiral Byrd. He went on television, and it's great. Uh, we were lucky to get the footage. Uh, the CBS affiliate, there was a show called The Long Jeans Chronoscope. And he goes on and, and says that, oh, yeah, Antarctica is made out of money, and we're going to carve this thing up like a turkey. It's going to be, you know, it's made out, there's a mountain range made out of coal, uranium, and oil, and minerals. And then all of a sudden, his very next mission, that's all canceled. And everybody gets off the ice at the same time, and they form the Antarctic Treaty, and no corporation is allowed to go down to Antarctica ever, in the, forever. It's not even up for debate until the year 2041. And all nations signed on to it. It goes against everything that we are as a civilization. Capitalism, greed, money, power, rule the day. So your Jerry Maguire moment was, you had me at Antarctica. Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh, that's good. I like that. <laughs> all right. I mean, we, I'm, I'm totally stealing that line. All right. Uh, we have, go ahead. People do that all the time. Uh, here's uh, Matt in West Harvard. Hi, Matt. You're on the air. Uh, hi there. Um, got a hypothetical question for you. Um, let's say you had, say, uh, another Eureka moment and thought, um, oh, maybe the Earth actually is round. Or spe- um, spheroid, you, you mean. feel about yeah. All the YouTube videos I, you put out um, making this argument and such, um, and the way that it might have affected other people um, who don't have the ability to, you know, sort of reason and and bounce back from, uh, I don't know. Matt, going, uh, yeah, Matt, could we... Although, Matt, could I just get you to amplify one of the things uh, I'm understanding from the call screener? You actually lived with somebody who subscribed to some of these beliefs, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. If, um, if, if they, they, they watched a number of YouTube videos, I don't know if it was actually this one in particular. Um, this uh, all right. Uh, current guest. I get. I get his question. Yeah, I get his sure. question. Which is, if I found out that the Earth was, and by the way, we don't use the word round because you know a right. dinner plate is round. Your yeah. dining room table is probably round. Sphere, ball, globe, three dimensional. Round can also be two dimensional, three dimensional. But if I found out that the Earth was a ball, sphere, globe. I would, what would I do? I'd tear it all down. I, I would tear it down. I've said that since the beginning. In fact, that's why I made the clues in the first place. It was more of this cry, cry for help that I put on the Internet. I said, okay, Internet hive mind, I can't prove the globe in a court of law anymore. Tell me how I'm wrong. 
if I am proven wrong, it, absolutely, I'll rip it all down. I, and I've said that since day one. Would be happy to. And we're three plus years into this, and it just keeps getting bigger and weirder and stranger. But but it's a good question. So I absolutely would tear it down. So Mark, um, typically. The, uh, um, two different kinds of Presbyterians can get in much worse arguments than a Presbyterian yeah. and a Methodist can. So, does that happen okay. in the flat Earth movement? Are there people? Do you are people who get in bigger fights about ways in which it's flat as opposed to the oh. arguments one might get oh. into? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In fact, I use the um, Monty Python Life of Brian as a reference point in that regards, which is, uh, everyone remembers the life of Brian when Brian drops his shoe and people are looking at the meaning of the shoe, and it's so brilliantly written how it's like you can see the forming of all these different religions just based off of the dropping of the shoe. Mm-hmm. Flat Earth creates so much enthusiasm in people. Definitely uh, some infighting. Uh, like 70% of the Flat Earth community, and this is a rough round number, believe in a domed structure like the Truman Show. And then, but the, uh, 30% of them believe that there is no dome. It's flat, but it's this infinite plane. And then you have a whole bunch of different flavors in between that. It's, it's like the Scottish Highlands with all these different flags. The only thing we can agree on is at the end of the day, we, uh, the, other, the enemy on the other side of the field is the globe. So, you know, it's interesting. I go back to even what Matt was asking you about. And for me, as I look at certain kinds of beliefs that that don't conform with my beliefs, I can sort of see maybe the harm in them or why people would live differently as a result. In other words, if you don't believe the vaccines uh, are efficacious, you think they might even be dangerous, you don't get vaccinated, maybe measles comes back, whatever. I mean, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. But I don't even know, like, do you live different? I mean, obviously, this is a little bit your career these days. But I mean, other than that, let's say you weren't. Let's say you were just one of the Mark Sargent fans out there who who uh, watch your videos and, and agree with right. you. Do you live any differently as a result of thinking that this is not a spheroid? Yeah, yeah. You know, one out of every ten people that that email me or call me or, or whatever, they will ask that. It's like, you know, what does it matter? Yeah. What does it matter whether the Earth is flat or round? You know, I'm still going to go to my crappy job in the morning, and my wife doesn't listen to me, and my kids are terrible, and all this other stuff. My life's not going to change. And I say, well. That's only because you you haven't really gotten into it yet. It doesn't matter until you believe it. It's kind of like um, having somebody tell you you were adopted. You're not, you know, you're going to go through that denial thing for, you know, when you're like 30 and somebody tells you you're adopted, you're going to go in denial, denial, and then all of a sudden, if they have enough stuff on you, they you start revisiting everything from your childhood, all these different memories. When you get into flat Earth, the the biggest thing uh, is mostly it's it's mostly spirituality, which is do you still if if there is a higher power, if this place was built, and that's really what flat Earth screams out is this was was built. That means there is some sort of creator. I'm not gonna I'm not arrogant enough to say which god it is. But uh, if that is the case, then you've got some sort of parental figure looking over the top of their newspaper at you. Do you still do the same things you do now? Do you still do malicious things against people? Do you still go to war, hate crimes, sex crimes, sex crimes that sort of thing? I don't. I, I'll never do a malicious thing to anyone else ever again. So, although, let's just stay with us for a moment, because, I mean, there are some other possibilities. One of them might be that this uh, we're living in a structure built by some other civilization that lives somewhere oh, else sure, in, in the universe. Sure, sure, sure. There's but, even a whole again, school of well, philosophy. I think it's Nick Ostrom uh, is the leader of this whole philosophy that we have. It would be difficult to know if you were living in, in a hologramic environment. In other words, if we were basically in the Star Trek hologram deck, oh, would yeah, we even necessarily know it? So, yeah. so it isn't necessarily... God's and angels, is 
it? I mean, it could be... No, no, no but, it, but then you're kind of splitting hairs, which is, you know, one man's advanced civilization is another man's deity. So, like, I mean, what, either way, whether... Seriously, there's, there's a bunch of different quotes I could use. But if a giant golden spaceship, let's say, landed somewhere near Boston, uh, and, you know, some wonderfully beautiful blue aliens came out, uh, there would be a lot of people that would worship them as deities, and other people that would say, oh, they do look like Avatar. Mm-hmm. So you get this weird mix. But either way, I mean, it kind of has the same effect. So let's talk about the dome idea a little bit. I, we, I, we have a call coming in from Matt and Avon, but I'll, maybe I can just sort of summarize uh, his question. Apparently everybody who calls up today is going to be named Matt. But um, <laughs> the, um, his, I think, question is, like, how, I don't know, how would you establish the existence of the dome? I mean, what makes you think there's a dome as opposed to these other people you talked about who just think it's an infinite plane with a sky and whatever? Sure. Um, the two, two reasons. One is that a dome would... Um, establish a, a pressurized system, meaning that uh, pressure, like air pressure that we're in now, right? uh, air pr- pressure cannot exist without some sort of container. I don't care if it's a basketball or a volleyball or a soccer ball or a can of hairspray or, 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 or spray paint. Pressure needs a container. And yet the Earth is one of the only two objects I've ever seen that doesn't apply, this doesn't apply to, meaning you, you've got gra- they say well gravity's holding all the the air pressure down okay where does where is the bleeding edge between our atmosphere and the endless expanse of the vacuum of space I've talked to several uh, vacuum you know engineers then they say there is no way the power of the vacuum is no joke uh, the atmosphere of this world should be just torn off instantly with with easily and that doesn't happen that'd be the first thing as far as the dome goes and then a circumstantial thing would be why the United States and the Soviet Union were firing atomic weapons straight up for years from uh, the late, I'm sorry, the late 1950s until the early 1960s. Firing nothing. That's all the program they did, the Operation Fishbowl, and uh, that, was, that was the American program. The Russians don't name theirs as creatively as ours. And they were firing straight up, and I knew exactly what they were doing when I was like, oh, yeah, they were going to map. First they tried to punch through it, and then they were trying to map the sky because their early shots were the, were the early megatons couldn't break through. So uh, when I hear all that, it makes me nervous mm-hmm. because – I mean, I guess you don't. You wouldn't use the term global warming. What was not there? Uh, oh, you mean, but yeah. <laughs> but but here we are with this dome, and we've got people right. f- firing nukes in the air. Well, I mean, they're, they're, you know, and and pollution is going up there with no place to go, and right. uh, it just seems like. I mean, are there is it are there vents? Does anybody come and clean up or turn down the thermostat? Or I mean, how does that all work? That's an excellent question because it's actually surprising to me how many people have asked you, do you believe in climate change? Mm. And I said, oh, yeah, absolutely, I believe in climate change. In fact, an enclosed, if you were in a building, and anyone that's gone to a sports stadium after a, a pyrotechnic show knows this, it's like that smoke hangs around for a while, even with the vents in the sports stadium. Uh, it, they, it hangs around. Do I think we, we have, uh, this, as far as this thing being mechanical, are there automated processes like the jet stream and the underwater conveyor system and the magma system? Uh, they, all, they all play a part, uh, but I think the human condition has really done some, not necessarily damage, but it is affecting this. And, and there's a reason why we have wild weather. And if they don't want to call it global warming anymore, they want to call it climate change, that's fine. But everybody knows there's something weird happening. I mean, look, I, three weeks ago, I was getting a tan up here in Seattle mm. in November. 
Right. How, how did that happen? Uh, 20 years ago, I would have died of exposure, and now I'm getting a tan. I've never seen this before. So th- this is, if this is a built environment, we need to take better care of our built environment. Uh, yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, it, the environmentalists should be happy about this because it's like, oh, yeah, if it is a building, we absolutely should be. The automated processes can only do so much. Mm-hmm. You know, you put 7 billion people and, you know, the internal combustion engines, every car is just this tiny little furnace. Uh, you know, billions of those things are running every single day. Of course, the system is going to have to compensate in some way. So uh, this question is another one that really doesn't necessarily apply to you, although I, I guess it kind of could, could. But, I mean, you're kind of now a leader and a spokesperson within this movement. You're really good yeah. at it, too. You're a really good radio guest. I mean, you're just made to have this kind of interview. Um, <laughs> and But I mean, let, let's, what, let's, again, let's pick the guy who, or, or woman who's watching your videos and, and also getting pretty excited about this idea. Isn't there a tremendous disincentive to never talk about it to anybody? In other words, if I thought what you think, I don't think I'd tell anybody because there must be a pretty major social cost. To, oh, yeah. oh, yes, there is. In fact, there was something that I talked about when I first built the clues. It is just off the top of my head, which was uh, the Fight Club reference from the 1999 movie Fight Club, which is the first rule of Flat Club is that you do not talk about Flat Club. <laughs> you just don't. Um, and, it's, and it's so true. I mean, anyone's listening out there, and again, I know people get charged up, but look, your family, your friends, your colleagues, oh, <laughs> you, you think they're on your side? No, no. You, you basically, basically what I'm saying is, yeah, anyone that's out there, you have to kind of know your audience, which is you, you talk to them, you come, kind of sat, you know, go, come at them sideways and say, you know, what do you think about the moon landing? And if they're like, oh, yeah, rah, rah, we went to the moon, Apollo, wave the flag, that type of thing, then, yeah, you probably shouldn't bring up flat earth. It's a delicate deal. I've seen, I've seen marriages break up. I've seen families you know, try to commit their children. Uh, it, is, it is extremely polarizing, extremely. And so, yeah, it's, you have to come at it delicately. I mean, not to pry into your life, but is there anybody in your life, anybody you're close to, going, oh, no, 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 Mark, you're so smart. You're so good at so many different things. Don't do this. Is there, do you have like, a, I don't know. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I have, I, there's, so uh, two of my cousins, they're twin girls uh, about my age, and one of, one of them, is, you know, she tolerates it, and she's like, oh, wow, this is really interesting. And the other one, again, twin, other one, like her first email to me says, are you effing kidding me? <laughs> like, you know, and she won't talk. She hasn't talked to me in like eight months mm-hmm. because of this. And uh, but then again, you know, I've got cousins that are on board, but they're still in the closet because yeah. they don't, you know, because of their 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 work. And then I've got other people, other family members that are on, you know, like my my mother's into it. Uh, so your mom's sister. okay with this? I didn't. I didn't know whether your mom's alive or anything. I didn't want to ask. But oh, like, yeah. like my mother never was particularly happy with a lot of the stuff that I believed. And, <laughs> um, but there was more kind of you know, more political. But but so your mom's like, that's my son, the flat Earth guy. I'm so proud of him. Yep. Yeah, she's got a T-shirt that says, I'm the mother of the father of Flat Earth, which is weird, because I did not say that I was the father of Flat Earth. No. But, she, but then again, she's one of those mothers that if, uh, that she would, be, she, would, she would help me hide the bodies. <laughs> one of those. It's like, it's like, no, poor gasoline out there. It'll throw off the scent of the dog. Yeah. Don't, don't say that. That sounds very x filesy somehow. You don't want to say Sorry. that. Sorry. <laughs> so, Mark Sargent, it's been so great to talk to you. And I do, uh, if people who want to know more about this or get another taste of uh, your thinking about this, there are the Earth Clues YouTube video series and the yep. book Flat Earth Clues, The Sky's the Limit. Thanks for being with us, man. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much for okay, having me. Okay, bye-bye. I just did a Kai Rizdahl. I'm sorry about that. I called him man. Uh, okay, we'll take a break. I am not Kai Rizdahl. At least that's my <laughs> that's my opinion. Uh, and we'll come back. The Earth's 
the ball and let it spins. Well, you must be pretty crazy if you think the earth is flat. Cause we all know that it's a globe, and that's a simple fact. So I said, what about the photographs that NASA takes from space? He gave a knowing smile and told me, man, those things are fake. I just figured out daylight savings time. They need us to sleep an extra hour so they can clean the dome. Today's show is produced by Josh Nalea, or someone claiming to be Josh Nalea, and me, Kyone Wolf. You can believe everything I say. Amanda Fish keeps swimming out to this place where she bumps into plexiglass, and the part of Bill Curry was played by Shaq. And now, back to Colin. Right. So, you know, just to go back to where we began for a second, one of the things that's going on here is that uh, some fairly prominent people, uh, a lot of them professional athletes, uh, also uh, uh, members of the hip-hop artistic community, have kind of come forward and, and, and made this argument. And, of course, for young people, that can be very persuasive, too, but made this argument that there is insufficient evidence to believe that the Earth is spheroid. It might not be. So we want to talk a little bit more about the implications uh, of this kind of thinking. And we're going to do that with uh, Dr. Joe Pierre, uh, and let me first of all click him up on the board, which I should have done 10 seconds ago. Uh, Chief of Psychiatry at uh, uh, VA West Los Angeles Healthcare Center, as well as Professor of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at UCLA. He's the author of the Psych Unseen blog at Psychology Today, uh, which can be found under the same name on Facebook or the Twitters. Uh, so, Dr. Joe Pierre, welcome to our conversation. Thanks for having me. It's a great topic. I think people are very interested in why people believe weird things. That's one of the reasons I went into psychiatry. Yeah. So uh, there's actually just fortuitously um, uh, at Salon.com today uh, a piece by a guy named Chris Impey, who's a scientist, I think, at the University of Arizona, talking about the same thing. He started researching the web, and you know he wasn't surprised to find hundreds of millions of web pages to, uh, about ghosts and auras. But he was pretty surprised to find tens of millions of pages about things like levitation and the flatness of the Earth. Earth. Um, and so what's what's happening here? I mean, it seems to me that people aren't so much believing in a very specific thing like the Earth is flat, it's not a, a spheroid, as they are kind of disengaging from whatever the accepted body of fact is. Yeah, I'd say a couple things about that. Um, certainly when we talk about flat Earth beliefs specifically, I, I like to divide it into two parts. There's the conspiratorial part that you've talked about in the previous uh, part of the show, where in order to have this belief, you also have to believe that there's this mass cover-up, not just by NASA, not just by the U.S., but by other foreign governments and, you know, the astronauts and all sorts of people who've taken photographs. I mean, it's this vast conspiracy. The other half of it is, I think, the part that appeals to flat earthers, which is the, um, the idea that there might be some room for genuine scientific debate and research and experimentation. I think what makes flat earthers a little bit different is that unlike something like maybe climate change or even vaccines, there's, there's an overwhelming amount of evidence um, that the Earth is in fact spheroid. So that, that also makes flat earthers uh, a little bit unique. Somebody from your profession is therefore interested in uh, how you institute some kind of format of verification. Um, so you and I could pool our resources and buy Mark Sargent a ticket. Uh, well, we probably couldn't afford it, but let's say we could uh, buy him a ticket on SpaceX so he can go up there uh, in the and see the, the Earth from outer space on a privately funded space journey. I have a feeling that that wouldn't persuade him, that ultimately because he's he now has this kind of understanding of, of fakery, that this would just be another kind of fakery. I, maybe you can comment on that. 
I think that's that's most likely true. Um, I think one one mistake we don't want to make is to lump all flat right. earthers and all conspiracy theorists together. So I think you know the the individual response might vary, but but I agree that uh, and this is something you talked about with Alan. Part of what's going on is people have this immense distrust of expertise of knowledge in general. Uh, in psychology, we call, the, call this epistemic uh, mistrust. And so I remember when I was a kid, my dad, we, we were going to the airport, uh, and my dad was telling me about a friend of his who had this idea that maybe airplanes were an illusion, and that when you were flying, what you were seeing through the window was a sort of TV screen. And so I think you're, you're right. Part of me would love it if Elon Musk uh, took um, Mark Sargent uh, up in SpaceX uh, to see that the Earth is, is a sphere, but one would, would then wonder whether or not the conspiratorial part would kick in and to say, well, you know, maybe that was manipulated as well. And I think for sure there's evidence from studying people who have conspiracy theories that indeed they do think that way. And you make a distinction between denying the authority of science and denying the authority of the scientific community, that those two things are not quite the same. Uh, help me out with that. Well, I think that's also perhaps somewhat unique to flat earthers, because as you can see, a lot of them are seemingly genuinely interested in scientific inquiry and in performing experiments and verifying. And so it's not, it may not be that they distrust science as a field and as a method of gaining knowledge. It may be have more to do with the fact that they, dis, that they mistrust the scientific community or scientists or so-called experts. And I think we see evidence of that when, when you're talking about some of the NBA stars who made the news a year or so ago talking about this. It seemed to me that they weren't clearly espousing a belief in flat earth so much as that they were saying, look, I don't trust the, the so-called lies that have been told to me through the years. I question everything. And I think that's very much a part of the flat earth uh, movement. And I think as, uh, as a scientist, uh, we have to sort of own that. We have to think about why people mistrust the institution of science or why people mistrust uh, scientists. So in a way, none of this is new. There have always been these sort of factual counter or counterfactual narratives uh, about reality. Uh, you can find the word fake news being used in connection with William Jennings Bryan. You go back to around 1900, there were newspapers in New York who participated in this kind of moon hoax where they were publishing pictures of life on the moon with all these really wonderful, interesting sort of humanoid butterfly-like creatures. Uh, you know, as we got into the middle part of the 20th century, certainly there were a lot of counter narratives about things like the Kennedy assassination or what was really going on with the Vietnam War, where, in fact, we really were being lied to by the government about important things in terms of the Vietnam War. Is there something different happening now? Is there some way in which evidence doesn't really have the same status, uh, or is this just an extension of a kind of paranoid thinking that's been around for a long time? Yeah, I guess it's sort of both. I think for sure you're acknowledging an important point that the, that in in some ways this isn't new. I mean, flat Earth thinking goes back, you know, many many years. And of course, prior to discovering that the word world was not flat, people thought that it was flat. Um, but I think for me, the thing that's really changed in the past several decades. I mean, you talked about this with Alan as well as Mark. This idea of when we disclose unusual, fringy beliefs to our friends and family, the normal response is this sort of shaming. Like, what are you talking about? this sounds crazy. That really has changed in the era of the internet. So for just the past 20, 30 years now, uh, we have a totally different way of absorbing information, that is uh, learning about things, doing quote-unquote research, but also sharing information. 
So flat earthers sometimes talk about how it's very um, uh, lonely being a flat earther because their friends and family don't want to talk to them. But then they get on the Internet, uh, sites like Reddit and 4chan and these kind of places, and then suddenly you have instant access to all these people who rally around the same cause. Uh, and I think it's very interesting that you know Mark talked about in the flat Earth movement. There is, in fact, this great diversity uh, and actually debate about um, uh, different aspects of flat Earth beliefs. Um, you know, there was a, I, I was featured briefly in a recent documentary movie called Behind the Curve that that goes into uh, the flat Earth movement and actually features Mark quite. Um, uh, centrally. And one of the fascinating things to me that I learned from that movie is that a lot of flat earthers actually believe that Mark Sargent is a mole, a NASA mole or a shill, and that, that he's sort of uh, a, a fake of some sort. And that to me really highlighted, again, the diversity of what people believe within that movement, but also the, the sort of vast conspiratorial uh, aspect of it. I, I think we've only got about a minute left. Let me make this quick. When you hang up, go read this Chris Impey article uh, in Salon. But he, like a lot of scientists, thinks well, if we just had this kind of kind of vetting process where information would pop up uh, on the web and there would be a color code that said whether it was you know backed by scientific evidence, blah blah blah, blah that would really help a lot. But there's this huge human factor that you're talking about, you know, and that. Uh, the, the scientists tend to think, well, if we just gave them the right facts, it would all work out just fine. I, I'm guessing you probably don't necessarily believe that. Yeah, I think there's some research that really shows that people's faith in um or trust might be a better word, their trust in expertise doesn't just depend on the nature of the facts. It depends on how that information is delivered. You know, is there jargon? Is there not? Is there some seeming motivation? And I think a lot of people these days are calling into question expertise because there are very real examples of sometimes biased information, or as you mentioned, occasionally conspiracy theories end up being true. And then that, in their minds, means that all conspiracy theories could be true. So I think there's a lot of different angles about it, and it's not, not quite as simple as saying here's um, you know here's reality and in fact a lot of attempts to to do that in terms of correcting science misinformation sometimes has have backfired and that, that's actually known as the backfire effect of exactly psychology. like Brendan Nyan and all that stuff all right yeah. we're gonna stop there dr. Joe Pierre chief of psychiatry at VA West uh, Los Angeles Healthcare Center you can read more uh, work by him at the psych unseen blog at psychology today thanks to everybody for this show